It has over 800 beds and 1,200 doctors, and it is one of only 10 hospitals in the country designated a special pathogens hospital. Now, that means they are pros when it comes to handling infectious diseases. And the chief medical officer there tells me due to some planning and persistence, they are still just a step ahead of the tidal wave. There are signs everywhere that New York City is the U.S. epicenter of this pandemic. The city's medical examiner setting up a massive makeshift morgue next to the city's most famous public hospital, Bellevue. We have to stay ahead of the wave. We have to keep sprinting so that it doesn't catch up with us. Because if it catches up with us, we'll drown. This is the first video from inside Bellevue, shot for us by the hospital. The scene here, a stark contrast to much of what we've seen from other hospitals in New York. If they are drowning, Bellevue is still afloat. Is there sufficient uh, PPE? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dr. Nate Link is Bellevue's chief medical officer. So this entire floor has become basically COVID-19 intensive care. Everyone who needs an N95 mask at your hospital at this moment has Absolutely, without question. You do hear some people who sound panicked. I'm talking about doctors, I'm talking about seasoned nurses who say that they are just being hit by a tidal wave. That doesn't seem to be the experience that you're relating. Three weeks ago, we were a normal hospital. Then the first patient hit the hospital and it feels like ever since then, we have been sprinting to stay ahead of the wave. Inside the Bellevue ICU. Every single cubicle has a COVID patient. He's not wearing a mask in the ICU hallway because over the last two weeks, it has been transformed. Our engineers and carpenters go into each space to turn it into a uh, negative pressure room, which is the safest possible for patient care. As each room got opened up, literally a COVID-19 patient filled that space behind them. It was almost a race uh, to the finish line until just a couple of days ago, they finished the 54th room and we filled it with a patient. So what happens when the next 54 and the next 54 and the next 54 show up at the hospital? I think I've got the next three steps in mind. Uh, our next space is where they do colonoscopies. Then we're moving down to the operating rooms. That will give us 60 more. If that's still not enough and more beds are needed, Dr. Link says they'll double up on patients in the ICU. And that will take us up to 200. So I think eventually we might have cots in the cafeteria or a, a big circus tent outside. The question, why has Bellevue seemingly been able to do what so many other hospitals apparently have not? Some of it, Dr. Link says, is in Bellevue's DNA. We had always taken care of the patients that nobody else wanted, really, from yellow fever and smallpox, typhus and tuberculosis, and then AIDS in the 80s to take care of infectious diseases and pandemics. It's really what Bellevue's been about. His advice to the nation? You know, the cow's out of the barn. The virus is here. It's everywhere. However serious you think it is, it's probably worse than you think because there are a lot of invisible cases you don't know about. New York, two weeks ago, had only 300 cases. New York today has 30,000. The cities around America with 300 cases should realize the only difference between them and New York is two weeks. It's the most crucial time for them to implement the shutting down of the social interactions and the mingling 
the sheltering in place, all of that, the wave of patients that they're imagining will hit them in two weeks, those patients have not yet been infected. And if you could prevent that infection, you will prevent the wave. How long can you keep it up? I think we're going to keep this up as long as we have to. This morning, New York City has over 50,000 diagnosed cases. Hoda? Well, that's a fascinating story, Cynthia. And you wonder what Dr. Link, if he has some advice for these other hospitals, because all we see are images of all these struggles. What can they learn from him? Yeah, listen, he, he says one of the things they realized early on is that they could not allow a bottleneck in the emergency department, that they had to be able to have places to put patients so that they could, in fact, get treated as rapidly as possible. He says they're now opening up parts of the hospital they haven't used for 35 years. It is a massive structure. And uh, the other, of course, critical thing is is their staff. And he says they're going to provide tests to any member of the staff uh, who, who needs the hospital so they are doing their best they're staying just ahead of it and i do think there's some hope here in this story uh, for the rest of of the nation's hospitals oh certainly all right thank you so much cynthia all right it is time now to check in with mr roker get a check of the weather hey al morning Good morning, Hoda. Well, we're looking right now at the Gulf of Mexico. It has been warming at a pretty alarming rate. For the month of March, it has warmed up 10 degrees above average, setting records for temperature, air temperatures along the Gulf Coast. But those warm Gulf waters can mean severe storms into April. Not only that, you combine the Gulf water temperatures with a warmer than our average water temperature in the Atlantic, a lack of El Nino, which brings in shearing winds, and that means uh, this March water could mean above average hurricane season for us this year. Colorado State University just issuing the 2020 outlook. 16 named storms. Eight of them could be hurricanes. Four could be made. They're going to make landfall, but uh, we'll be waiting for in the next uh, several weeks to get the National Weather Service's hurricane forecast. We'll see what that means later on in the next two months. That's what's going on around the country. Here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. Good morning. Here's a live look from our tower camera here at Channel 2 News. Not too bad this morning. We have overcast skies and cool temperatures. We're in the 60s to 70s right now. Very comfortable start to the day if you want to head out for that nice social distant walk with you and your family. Good idea to get that walk in early. Late this afternoon, thunderstorms are pushing in from the west and they could produce some severe weather. There's about a 5 to 15 percent chance of damaging winds and hail with the thunderstorms moving in from the west. And the timeline is late this afternoon. It's going to be fairly widespread by dinner time. That's your latest weather. Savannah? All right, Al, thank you. And coming up, how exactly does the coronavirus spread? We'll talk to our expert about an eye-opening new warning you will want to know about. But first, these messages. Welcome to Jersey Mike's. How can we help you? Let's start with clean takeout stations and free delivery through our app and these third-party partners. We're here to help. Jersey Mites. Be a sub above. T-minus 10 seconds to crispier, fluffier, Eggo home-style waffles. We are go for... Liftoff. Now that they're crispier and fluffier... I think this one's a solo mission. I understand. Would you Lego your Eggo? For now, we're all living a new normal. Businesses are closing. Living rooms are now offices and schools. And we'll our world is suddenly different. 
But one thing stays the same. State Farm is there. To any of our customers currently facing financial burdens, call your State Farm agent because we're here to help make this new normal feel just a little more normal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. These are real people. Those sleeves and help heal your skin from within with Dupixent. Dupixent is the first treatment of its kind that continuously treats moderate to severe eczema or atopic dermatitis, even between flare-ups. Dupixent is a biologic and not a cream or steroid. Many people taking Dupixent saw clear or almost clear skin and had significantly less itch. That's a difference you can feel. Don't use if you're allergic to Dupixin. Serious allergic reactions can occur, including anaphylaxis, which is severe. Tell your doctor about new or worsening eye problems, such as eye pain or vision changes or a parasitic infection. If you take asthma medicines, don't change or stop them without talking to your doctor. So help heal your skin from within. And talk to your eczema specialist about Dupixin. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, Try Pepto Liquid Caps for fast relief and ultra coating. Get powerful relief with Pepto Bismol Liquid Caps. Life is about choosing hope. The world is full of disappointments. You can't just run away. We'll just figure out as we go. Our love is spectacular. Intoxicating. Maybe a bit impulsive. It's authentic. And gave me hope. This is not something you ever stop appreciating. It takes strength to love. So no wonder it's something we don't want to do on our own. With the savings rates offered at some banks, your money almost feels like it's full. Tiny, you can't see them, but they're certainly big enough to carry a virus. The new developments you need to know. And keeping the faith, how religion is helping people cope amid the coronavirus crisis with Holy Week and Passover just days away, we're joined by a pair of renowned religious leaders to spread some hope and comfort today, Friday, April 3rd, 2020. And good morning, everybody. Welcome back to today. We're glad to have you along with us on a Friday morning, especially uh, those of you working from home. And Hoda, as we've often said, now that you know folks are working from home, Friday, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> is it yesterday? Is it tomorrow? And Who knows? And also, we're all in is it, it 7 o'clock? Is it 8 o'clock? But it is 8 o'clock and it is Friday. It is. It's 8 o'clock, so let's get to the headlines. And, of course, the coronavirus tops the news. The world reached a grim new milestone overnight in the fight against this virus. Craig joins us with three things he's watching today on this front. Craig, good morning. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you, too, Savannah. Good morning to you. The first thing that we're watching on this Friday morning, the soaring number of cases across the globe. Worldwide, that number has now topped 1 million people, and the virus has spread to at least 181 countries. About 24% of those cases are right here in the United States. The second thing we're watching, a senior Trump administration official telling NBC News that some new guidance is coming today. Guidance advising Americans who live in areas of high community transmission to wear cloth masks to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. That measure has already been taken by the mayors of New York City 
and Los Angeles. And here's the third thing we're watching this morning. The White House still resisting costs, still resisting to issue a nationwide stay-at-home order. Overnight on CNN, top health official Dr. Anthony Fauci weighed in on the need for a blanket policy. You know, the tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But if you look at what's going on in this country, I just don't understand. When the growing list of states ordering residents to stay at home. Hold us in the back over to you. All right, Craig, thank you. We're going to see you in our next half hour. Meantime, there are new developments tied to a coronavirus outbreak on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. This morning, it's Captain who sounded the alarm this week about dozens of cases on the aircraft carrier has been relieved by the Navy. NBC's Kristen Welker has the very latest on this. Hey, Kristen, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. This is a battle playing out at sea and right here in Washington, D.C. The Navy dismissing one of its top commanders, accusing him of showing poor judgment after writing a widely circulating letter that expressed concerns about an outbreak of COVID-19 on his ship. But this morning, the Navy is facing some criticism and questions about the way the whole thing was handled. This morning, Brett Crozier is a captain without a ship. The Navy's top brass dismissing him from his duties aboard the USS Roosevelt after the commanding officer sounded the alarm about an outbreak of the coronavirus aboard the aircraft carrier. The Navy's acting secretary explaining the decision on Thursday. I have no doubt in my mind that Captain Crozier did what he thought was in the best interest of the safety and well-being of his crew. Unfortunately, it did the opposite. It unnecessarily raised alarms with the families of our sailors and Marines with no plan to address those concerns. The dismissal comes on the heels of a blunt letter written by Crozier to Navy officials and obtained by the San Francisco Chronicle detailing a COVID-19 outbreak. The letter read in part, we are not at war. Sailors do not need to die. If we do not act now, we are failing to properly take care of our most trusted asset, are sailors. Navy officials say their reason for dismissing Crozier was because he sent that letter over non-secure, unclassified email to a broad array of people instead of going through the normal chain of command. The acting secretary also insisting help for those suffering from the virus was on the way before the letter was written. The captain's actions made his sailors, their families, and many in the public believe that his letter was the only reason help from our larger Navy family was forthcoming, which was hardly the case. President Trump was pressed on the decision by NBC's Jeff Bennett. To fire the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt after he raised red flags about the COVID-19 outbreak on his ship. It appears as if he's being punished for trying to save the lives of the sailors in his command. What's your assessment? I don't agree with that at all. Not at all, not even a little bit. Overnight, a group of House Democrats on the Armed Services Committee criticized the decision, writing in part, quote, it's a destabilizing move that will likely put our service members at greater risk and jeopardize our fleet's readiness. Crozier will keep his rank. He will remain in the Navy now. As for the ship so far, 114 crew members out of more than 4,000 have tested positive for the coronavirus. Oda? All right, Kristen Welker at the nation's capital. Kristen, thank you. All right, it's 8.06, Hoda. What do you say we do the morning booth? Do a double. How about that? A woman in Mesa, Arizona named Cabrina thought we could all use a little more love and joy right now. So this is what she did. She put some sidewalk chalk out, and she asked the kids in her neighborhood to draw some hearts. Well, the results were so magical. She, was gonna, she decided to record them with her drone. Take a look. Uh.
Okay, that is beautiful. She didn't mean to make a video, she just did. And then she added that Thomas Rhett song that he sang for us the other day, Savannah, Be a Light. I recognize that. And then she shared it on social media. Well, it caught Thomas Rhett's attention, which brought things full circle. You know, he wrote that song for Tough Times, and here it is. And he also pledged the proceeds of that song. By the way, if you'll remember, they go to Music Cares COVID-19 Relief Fund. I love that song. He told us that he actually wrote it months and months ago, but it's so appropriate mm -hmm. to these times that he released it and is donating the proceeds. All right, I have another boost for you. Okay. As you well know, parents have been... <laughs> Isn't that the different design? Look where I've been. I make everything happen. Look at that mini me now we just took it. Dad, Oh, well, that's a lucky little lady, right? The Rock says he realized just a few weeks ago how totally perfect that part of the song was when you, when you want your kids to have fun, but also do a good job. Anything to make that hand-washing fun. Lather up, do a little dance. I call it the Corona Shuffle. The Corona Shuffle. Okay. Whatever works. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Hoda, we're going to break down some of this brand new research that's coming out showing disturbingly just how easily the virus can spread from person to person. Can it spread simply by talking or breathing? We're going to ask our expert. Yes, airborne. I've been saying that. Because, hey, y'all, what's up? This is Dr. D. Uh, excuse my voice. Uh, uh, I don't have cold night, but I'm, I'm overcoming. Um, um, some dysenteria and uh, my my um, the sinuses allergy stuff, and so I'm drinking my tea. I am home. I'm I'm gonna do the stay at home from 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 the rest of the days. Um. Because I felt, I just felt so overwhelmed being at at the Walmart, and then I had transportation issues because they have um, stopped the parking ride that I need uh, to go into the city for work. Then they changed the metro schedule, and then they sent out an alert that some of the uh, metro drivers are have an impact to tested positive. I have not taken the test yet. Uh, I wanted to take it, but I don't have any transportation to go take it. And I feel like that individuals such as myself uh, are not able to go through a drive-through, but they do have the 211 um, option that you can call a nurse and call a nurse on duty. And I probably will do that today. Um, and just self-quarantine myself. Um, with that said, I've been like, the way this thing is spreading, I was sharing with my sister and my other constituents that this thing is airborne, is more than six feet. It has to be for it to spread so rapidly like it is, especially here in Houston. And um, so with me having an underlying pre-existing condition, that God has healed me from cancer in this nasal drip allergy stuff that's going on because it's our, the pollen, the tree, what you call it, the ragweed or whatever, is very, very strong. And I'll probably go walk out and get some fresh air and then come back in. But to be in the midst of on the bus and the schedules now change to every hour, 
it just it just so long it took me four hours i got off at five o'clock i didn't get home till almost 10 o'clock just catching the bus and the train waiting for that transportation to get me home and um the lyft and uber alike the rate is just too much it won't even benefit me to go to work because i'll be in the red you know it's look and then i'm just there so i'm more i'm more effective here my computer's here my office building is closing um someone was infected they got a big sign on the door you know if you cough and sneeze and have a fever whatever it say do not enter this building and so uh with all of that it just was conducive for me just to take my stuff the ministry stuff and then just come home and do my work from home um so uh i want to keep you guys posted uh i'm gonna strive to go online and help individuals with this ppl loan remember even though they don't pay you for the loan you still have opportunity to receive that ten thousand dollar grant so i want you guys to go ahead and go on the sba.gov okay download the applications fill it out even if you're an independent contractor you yourself is your own you're in business for yourself it has impacted you because you're not able to go and communicate with the residents because of the six feet unlike you're a barber a beautician that has really cost you your money okay so um you qualify for it and even if they delay you i mean deny you you still able to get that ten thousand dollar grant which is unforgivable at the end of the six months period i believe i think it's six months to a year is deferred for you to pay that grant back but if to pay that loan back if it's over ten thousand if not the ten thousand is forgivable if you're paying your salaries your rent anything pertaining to your business you will get that okay so uh i will tune in with you guys later i want you all to um share share my video i have a video on page facebook go on danielle Irvin and request if you're not my friend request it uh, i'm gonna repost it i'm gonna do my best uh, to do this recording again and um just get into the numbers, okay? All right. God bless. Still not quite clear exactly what that is. On Thursday, the CDC, which says it's still learning about how COVID-19 is spread, changed the previous guidance, now adding talking to coughing and sneezing as ways an infected person can transmit the disease through respiratory droplets. The new development adding fuel to the debate over whether people should wear masks or other face coverings in public, which is what both the mayors of Los Angeles and New York City recommend. We're advising New Yorkers to wear a face covering. The current guidance from the CDC says if you are not sick, you do not need to wear a face mask unless you're caring for someone who is sick. But a senior administration official tells NBC News the White House will announce new guidelines today, urging Americans who live in areas of high community transmission to wear cloth face coverings to prevent the spread from people who may be asymptomatic. As doctors and nurses across the country work tirelessly to treat patients, they are also working to decode the disease. I realize that this is a crisis 
um, and an illness that I've never um, seen before in my practice of medicine. And the virus is unpredictable. Apparently, more young adults between the ages of 20 and 54 need hospitalization in the U.S. than in China when it first appeared. Unusual symptoms like loss of taste or smell are also emerging. Dr. Fauci telling Savannah Thursday even he has been puzzled. It's very strange how one individual can get infected and have either mild or no symptoms and another individual could rapidly deteriorate with viral pneumonia and respiratory failure. I've been doing infectious diseases now for almost 50 years and I could tell you I don't fully understand exactly what the mechanism that is and we really need to figure it out. For today, Stephanie Gosk, NBC News. And joining us once again to talk about all of this, NBC News contributor, virologist, Dr. Joseph Fair. Doctor, let's talk first about this letter that was sent to the White House with some research, some information that suggested the virus potentially could be transmitted not just by a cough or a sneeze in the vicinity of someone else, but even by breathing or talking. What are the ramifications of that? Well, first of all, let me emphasize, you know, I read the paper and I read the, the I read the letter rather and the, the paper on which the letter was based. And so these studies were based in hospital rooms and by swabbing the walls of those hospital rooms. So keep in mind the people that are in those rooms are the most critically ill people with COVID-19, meaning they're going to have very labored breathing. They are going to be coughing and sneezing. And they were able to find what we call viral RNA. It's almost if you think of a crime scene finding DNA later, it does not mean that they found infection infectious virus on those walls. So the letter is out of, an, out of an abundance of caution, and we go back to that pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic individuals being able to transmit the virus. It's, the letter was a way to indicate that we should be wearing these face coverings, and I used mask earlier, but let me emphasize homemade face coverings because we don't want to take away from the medical grade mask that the health care workers need most. It's a way of emphasizing so, that we may not know exactly how this is transmitted, but we do know, we do know it's being transmitted asymptomatically. And, and also, it, it's not like measles or tuberculosis that's so highly contagious that it hangs in the air for hours. Correct. From everything we know, you know, measles, for example, can spread up to 10 feet away. And it is what we would call an airborne virus, meaning it's lighter than air and it can float in the air. And you can basically get it even if you're standing 10 feet away from someone. This, as far as we know now, and keep in mind, this is a new virus to science, so if it seems confusing, we're learning as we're going here uh, about this virus. Mm. But as of now, this is not an airborne virus. We still think it only has to come in from direct contact. So even if you're just labored breathing, you are still expelling some droplets. So going back to earlier guidelines, if you're keeping that social distancing and if you're doing the face cover, homemade face cover with cloth, you're protecting yourself from transmitting the virus to others asymptomatically. I know we are all learning together as this goes on. And early on, I remember hearing that if you didn't have symptoms or if you had mild symptoms, then you probably weren't transmitting that much of the virus. I actually asked Dr. Fauci about this yesterday, this new study in the journal Nature that actually showed now patients with mild symptoms can shed high levels of the virus early on. That, that's right. You know, we are, like you said, we, or like I said earlier, we are learning more about this as we go on because it is a new virus to humans. And we are learning in that pre-symptomatic phase and in the early symptomatic phase that you can readily transmit the virus to others. And again, all the 
facial covering Absolutely. so that if even if you don't have symptoms you're not spreading it can i ask you another thing about symptoms actually yes, another please. um widely ca carried was fever it was shortness of breath it was cough those were the telltale coronavirus symptoms as we now have more information as frankly it's here in this country are you getting a different profile of how this presents, what the symptoms might look like? You know, I think that's the thing that makes this virus the most scary, is it's hard to, you cannot diagnose this diseases. If you have a certain checklist of symptoms, you can say, I think that's influenza, or I think that, you know, that is a rhinovirus, etc. With this one, the symptoms are so diverse, but I will tell you a trademark symptom, which we haven't seen really with any of those other viruses, is the loss of taste and smell. So if you do develop a sudden loss of taste and smell, there's a good indication that that might be COVID-19. So that's being added to those list of, of symptoms that people get. But not everyone gets a fever. Not everyone gets a cough. Not everyone gets all of the same symptoms. And the diversity is what's making this so hard. And it reemphasizes our need for really broadly based uh, diagnostics everywhere across the country. Both the acute diagnostics to tell you if you have it now, as well as the antibody-based serology, which tells you from, the, from your blood if you had it and have recovered from the virus. Yeah, it really holds the key to, to moving forward collectively. Dr. Fair, always good to have you on the Thank latest you. research. Thank you so much. Let's shift gears now. We'll get a check of the weather from Mr. Roker, and I think we're going to have a little rain out east today. Yeah, here in the Northeast, we are looking at it. As you look at today, we are expecting to see more showers with this pesky low pressure system that's just off the coast. Record lows in the Rockies. Okay, so as you hear, you have some symptoms now. That kind of raises some red flags for me because the last last week, I had no taste and smell. I mean. No matter what I, I ate, I knew I ate because I continued. I mean, I knew I had to eat, so that's why I still ate. But I had no taste. And um, I literally had to put some uh, peppermint by my nose just to inhale. But I knew that was my sinuses acting up. And, um, and then um, the thyroid issue began to aggravate, uh, aggravate me. So... I knew those symptoms and how my body um, usually react um, before this whole epidemic thing started. So that's why I'm, I'm like, nah, I don't probably don't have no COVID-19. So with that, I wanted y'all to hear the new updates of what was going on with the coronavirus. Until then, I will come back with some exciting exciting news with the business loans okay god bless